0: This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. So thanks for jumping in and, and uh, hanging out with us. We... Uh, Really just consider some people ask, you know, what's your church like? I said, well, it's not really like church. It's like a family. So we just like to get together as a family, hang out, talk about the Lord and his work and his goodness and uh, worship together and and do outreach. You know, we're really that's at the heart of who we are and what we do. And I appreciate all of you that are interested in that and who jump into it. We've been talking for a few weeks out of the book of Jeremiah. And some of us are reading the Eugene Peterson's book, Run With the Horses, together, or not together, but simultaneously so that when we come and start to talk about it, you're somewhat familiar with some of the stories from Jeremiah. And that book is called Run With the Horses. If you don't have it or haven't read it, I would highly suggest it. And today, we're going to continue to do that. But I want to set it up by uh, throwing a picture up on the screen here. And um, this is a pretty special deal. She is actually a deal. Uh, so this is my newest grandchild, Rosalie Cosette, Sully and Lydia's little girl who was born yesterday evening at 6 something or other. And she is gorgeous and healthy and mommy's doing good. And they're still in the hospital over in Fayetteville. So happy to announce that uh, that she is here, and that anticipation is over, and leads us straight into the anticipation of Kendall uh, having a baby next in uh, a few weeks, and that will be grandchild number six. And I'm not just throwing little Rosie up here to brag on her uh, or to you know be boastful about that. It's, there's a point behind it because now I want you to see a little video that was sent to me by a good friend of mine. And he's part of our pastors group, but he's a missionary to Israel and he comes and goes. And I think it's good for us to be reminded of some things this morning as we look at the book of Jeremiah and do a little bit of a comparison and contrast. So if we could get that going guys, it's, I don't know, three or four minutes long. So I think it's good to be reminded that we need to be praying for people there, praying for the ministries who are providing much needed resources and support for those people. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, Michael's a friend of mine, I've known him since I was a kid in Virginia, and they are doing phenomenal work, and it's worthy of our support. So y'all be praying about the ministry to Israel, and then I'm gonna be sending uh, a check to them this coming week, if you wanna pitch in anything to help with that, it'll be from us. So we appreciate that as well. But beyond just being aware, being reminded, praying for them, uh, I wanted to show that this morning in contrast to the baby picture, because I'd like for us to talk for a little bit about the, the difference or the different things that God loves and the things that God despises. Would you, would you say that it's a pretty good idea to know what it is that God loves and to know what he despises so that you can make a good choice about whether you want to support the things that he loves or the things that he despises? It's probably um, not a great idea to support things, to like things, to be in favor of things that God doesn't like. That's uh, that's not really a good idea. It's not going to be a good idea ultimately, and it'd be good for us to get on track with the right things now. And so, when you look at the world and everything that's going on, and, and I put up the baby picture, I think everybody's going to agree that God loves children, God loves babies, God loves life, God loves new life. He is a creator. He creates life from nothing, and so when you look at brand new life, you should be excited about that, whether you know them or related to them or not. We should always be excited about new life, and we should be in support of helping with new life however we can, because in the kind of ministry that we're in, we see a lot of babies coming to the world. that don't arrive here under very good circumstances they're born into poverty they're born into addiction uh they're born into all sorts of dysfunction and problems but we are well aware that that's not really the baby's fault right um it's not really the baby's fault I, i'm not in favor of supporting irresponsibility i'm not in favor of celebrating things that are contrary to who god is and where his heart is but I, I do believe in taking care of the weak and the vulnerable and the helpless and people that are born into all sorts of ser- terrible situations that they are not responsible for and that they did not choose. Um, in my book, there's a chapter called Success Looks Like, dot, dot, dot. And the, it is the story of a, a girl named Jennifer, Jennifer Johnson, that we ran into when she was 10 years old. And Jennifer was in foster care when we met her, and her mother was part of our church, and her mother would bring Jennifer and the other kids that she was raising to church. And Jennifer, at 10 years old, was already completely shattered by problems, by issues that were not her own fault. And I won't go into all the details, but she was sexually abused from the time she was a little girl. She uh, was exposed to... Uh, addiction to drugs and alcohol from the time she was in adolescence she was sexually promiscuous and active by the time she was about 12 and she was pregnant at 16 she was in and out of jail she was running away from home she's and so she just had all sorts of issues that stemmed from the irresponsibility of adults in her life Uh, she was she didn't choose it right and so Jennifer went to jail, had a baby. Uh, We actually took the baby, my wife and I took the baby straight out of the hospital when when, uh, Jennifer was sent back to jail after giving birth and we kept that child with us for a period of time and then we arranged for an adoption of that child because Jennifer just never could get on her feet. I put her in recovery programs, I paid the bill, but she would always end up in a fight, she'd always end up in trouble and end up being kicked out of the program end up back in jail, end up back in prostitution, end up back in homelessness. And ultimately, as a very young lady, Jennifer walked out from under a bridge one morning and went and stood on the railroad track until the the train came and then she was gone, right? And so it's a terrible story, it's a tragic story, and I think it's important to include stories like that when you're telling the stories because we can learn from the good and the bad. And the reality of it is that we have a responsibility to support what God supports, to love what God loves. And regardless of what the circumstances are about why children arrive on this planet, if we become aware of needs, we're exposed to it, we cross paths, cross paths with those individuals, those kids, we have a responsibility to do something about it if we have the capacity to do something about it. And I have found that if we say yes, God will resource our yes. We don't have to worry about our capabilities. He is for it. So if we say yes to it, He will resource our yes and good will come from it. And so God is for the weak, the vulnerable, the poor. If you want to find God actually... Go to those places. Get out of your comfortable environment. Forget about making sure that you have a church that's always pleasing, pleasant. The temperature's just right. The music's just right. The lights are just right. The presentation is just right. Right? Forget about all that. Forget about the comforts of the kingdom, which really are false comforts to start with. They, they draw us in, and they hold us captive to that when the real needs are out there somewhere. You want to find God, follow God, and He will take you to the poor. He'll take you to the needy. He'll take you to the sick. He'll take you to the lonely. He'll take you to the orphan. Psalm twelve five says, "...into the hovels of the poor." into the dark streets where the homeless groan, God speaks and says, I've had enough. I'm on my way. I'm going to heal the hurt in the heart of the wretched. That's where God goes. He goes to the poor. He goes to the needy. When Jesus was calling disciples, He walked down the seashore and He saw these fishermen. He said, come, follow Me. And they followed. Where did they follow him to? I I don't read where Jesus said, follow me. And they followed him down to the nice, comfortable church building where they had a meal together and sat around patting each other on the shoulders and discussing the Word of God. Yes, there's a time for that. There's a place for that. Coming together in corporate worship is important. It's okay to have a nice place to do it. We have a nice place here. But if that's our experience with God, then we don't have an experience with God. If that's the extent of it, there's nothing to it. Right? Where did Jesus lead them to? He led them to hungry people. He led them to sick people. He led them to crippled people and blind people. He led them to prostitutes and sinners. If you're going to follow Jesus, that's where He's going to take you. Are you willing to go? Is that where you want to go? Because it's not really following Jesus if that's not where we're going. We may be following some idea, some philosophy, some theory, but we're not following Him if we're not going to the needy. If it's a church and it's not going to the needy, then it's a false church. They may be doing some good stuff inside the four walls, but it has to go outside the four walls to be the real heart of Christ in the earth. Go, therefore. Don't stay, therefore. Put one foot in front of the other, therefore. Not sit down and enjoy everything in the church service, therefore. So... When we decide to follow, we need to know where we're following him to. We need to be willing to go there. We need to be willing to say yes every morning. I want us to read the, pretty much, I'm just going to read the Bible to you this morning. We're going to go home, okay? The first passage is from Jeremiah 22, 1 through 6. Now, to set a little bit of context, we know that Jeremiah is a prophet. He's been chosen by God since before he was born to be a prophet to the nations. What does it mean to be a prophet? It means God gives you words and messages for you to give away to other people. But they are God's words and messages. And God is pronouncing judgment on the nation. Again, why? Because of their disobedience. Because of their rebellion. Because of their idolatry because of the pollution and the perversion that they have brought into worship, into service, into ministry, into fellowship. And so there are things that God despises. And when He despises something, and listen, very, very important for us to understand here. God is talking through the prophet to His own people. He's not talking to the heathen hordes out there. He's talking to His people. This is the equivalent in our time of God talking to the church. Not the Atheist Society of America. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. He's talking to people who claim to worship God. And he's pronouncing judgment because people who are giving lip service to their relationship with him are not really living in relationship with him. That's when judgment comes. That's when God gets fed up and starts to pronounce harsh judgment. This is what the Lord says. Go down to the palace of the king of Judah and proclaim this message there. Hear the word of the Lord to you, king of Judah, you who sit on David's throne, you, your officials and your people who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to pause right there and tell you this. You know that there are lots of reasons God passes judgment. Some of those are also, some other ones are also in the book of Jeremiah, such as... Worshiping idols outside the temple walls while you're worshiping God inside the temple walls, right? Bringing perversion into the camp. So there are times here when the people actually have prostitutes who inhabit rooms like Sunday school rooms inside the church building. Uh, Hey, God doesn't like that. And he will pronounce judgment on it. Right? But today we're gonna to touch on something else that's really, really important to the heart of God that he will pass judgment on. He says, Do what is just and right, rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you are careful to carry out these commands, then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace riding in chariots and on horses accompanied by their officials and their people. But, listen, if you do not obey these commands, declares the Lord, I swear by myself that this palace will become a ruin. For this is what the Lord says. Next screen. This is what the Lord says about the palace of the king of Judah. Though you are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon, I will surely make you like a wasteland, like towns not inhabited. What does God love? How does God respond when things are happening that He loves? He paints a beautiful picture to us of what the results will be if they pay attention to these words if they respond in obedience to these words and and in that culture he says what it looks like is your kings with chariots and beautiful horses are going to come and go you're going to have liberty there's going to be beauty there's going to be freedom there's going to be victory there's going to be stability there's going to be prosperity there's going to be health There's going to be a good climate among the people. There's going to be cooperation. There's going to be support. There's going to be resource. I'm going to bless you if you will listen to what I say and just do it. Hear and obey. Hear and obey. The key to everything in the kingdom hinges on that simple instruction to hear and obey. Jesus taught, you you hear me say it over and over and over, whoever hears these words of mine and does what I say is what is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And all this other stuff can be going on around you. The wind's blowing and the storm's coming. The unsettledness in your society. But you're going to be stable. You're going to have the rock and the cornerstone that your life is being built on. You're going to have my presence that is constant with you. And even in the middle of a storm, that big, beautiful, strong house that you have built on the rock is going to stay. It's going to survive. And it's going to thrive. That's what's going to happen if you hear and obey. Hear and obey as it relates to what? Well, in this case, he says take care of the needy. Do not ignore the impoverished. Do not neglect the widows. Do not act like the orphans that cross your path. Do not exist. Don't... don't you're familiar with the story, right, of the guy who was robbed? Isn't it funny how these, these Old Testament, New Testament stories align with each other? when he starts out here by saying, you need to be good to people who are robbed. And we're not just talking about somebody who encounters a mugger who beats them down and takes their money and leaves them bleeding and bloody and, 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 and broken in the gutter. Robbed of innocence. Robbed of tranquility. Robbed of relationships. We can be robbed of so many things. And God's Word for us is you need to pay attention to and you need to help people who have been robbed, who have been stolen from. Because who's, who is behind every robbery? No matter what kind of robbery it is, no matter what was robbed or who was robbed, the enemy comes to steal. Every robbery is enacted by the evil one. You have two kingdoms, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. It is out of the kingdom of darkness that robbery comes, and the response from the kingdom of light is to help those who have been robbed. I'm not going to be part of a church, part of a body, that walks down the road and sees people who've been robbed of whatever and moves to the other side of the road and keeps walking and says a prayer for them. I'll pray for you. (laughs) You ever hear that? You ever say that? You you cross paths with people, they express to you their brokenness, their need, their hurt, the way they've been robbed, and our response is, I'll say a prayer for you. Hey. Hey. Say a prayer for them. That's a good idea. And then figure out how you can help them. Right? Figure out the the video with Michael Oderbach in Israel. What's happened to those people is gut-wrenching. And I think we need to pray for them. But I think we need to do more than that. That's why I said, yeah, We'll pray for them, and this week I will send them money. Because it'll take money, it'll take resources for those people to be able to build their lives back. So, God's response to obedience is blessing, God's response to disobedience is judgment. And his judgment is harsh when it involves things that he cares deeply about. He says pay attention and help people who've been robbed. Pay attention and help the orphan. Pay attention and help those who are in the ditch, those who are struggling with addictions, those who are struggling with depressions, those who are struggling with broken relationships. Pay attention to them and help engage work give serve love extend the benevolent heart of the father in those situations verses 15 to 19 of Jeremiah 22 does it make you a king to have more and more cedar what an awesome question what a what a fabulous question What's behind that question? What does that question mean? Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Well, cedar was uh, was and still is a nice wood sought after. It's good to build stuff out of because it lasts forever. You know, you build a house out of cedar and a hundred years from now it's going to pretty much be just like it was when you built it. And so when they constructed temples and monuments and Altars, often they use cedar, right? And so it was significant. It bore some meaning when you brought up using cedar or owning cedar. And so God asked the question through the prophet, does it make you a king to have more cedar? Is that what qualifies you? The stuff you have, the quality of the stuff, the more buildings you can build and the materials you build them out of, your presentation so that if somebody walks in to your facility, they don't see rustic, untreated, unfinished two-by-fours. No, they see cedar, beautiful cedar wood, and they can smell it. And it's it's just a great thing that helps with your presentation. But does that make you a king? Does that make you pleasing to God the better your presentation? He says, did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He's speaking of Josiah. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding Innocent blood and on oppression and extortion. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. They will not mourn for him. Alas, my brother, alas, my sister, they will not mourn for him. Alas, my master, alas, his splendor. He will have the burial of a donkey. He will have the burial of a of a donkey. Um, the line is drawn. The contrast is clear. Seek out what is important to God and make that important to you. So important that you're willing to work, to do, to give, To serve, to love, to be boots on the ground in the kingdom of God on a day-to-day basis, not just a Christian in name. Seek out what God loves and love it and respond to it with action. And when you do that, Your kings will come and go on fine horses and chariots. In other words, things are going to go well for you. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be stabilized. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be secure in your relationship with Him and your calling in this earth. But if you... See the things that God despises and listen. This is this may be the most important thing you take out of here with you. You don't have to be engaged with it. You just have to be willing to tolerate it. Because your tolerance of it is just as bad if not worse than your engagement in it. Things that God despises. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. Don't be afraid to fight against things that God despises. Because the lines are being very clearly drawn. And when Jesus said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom, that's just a whole pile of Christian people who were willing to tolerate things that God despises. But they're still crying out, Lord, Lord. They're still going to church. They're still wearing the banner. They're just not fighting for the things He loves and despising the things He despises. It's all about obedience. It's not about church membership. It's not about where we go. It's not about our proclamations. It's about our action. What do we do? And just like He painted this beautiful word picture of the blessing and the prosperity that comes after obedience. Here, he paints a pretty stark picture of what happens when we don't. They won't mourn for you. Your life means nothing. You'll have the burial of a donkey. Listen. I own donkeys and I had one that died a couple years ago and for donkey burials we treated her pretty good I guess we dug a hole and we put her in it and we put a rock over it but you know where we buried her we buried her out in the pasture right beside the horse manure pit it ain't special (laughs) no donkey burial is ever special I've never known of a donkey barrel that was, that was just uh, over the top special. I've never been in a regular cemetery and found uh, a headstone that says here lies my donkey. When donkeys die, it's just, I mean, they die and, and, you know, my wife loved the donkey. If she was here, she'd be saying, well, that donkey, you know, you know, she would have an argument with me about how special the donkey was and about how special the spot is where she's buried and all that and that's all fine. And I respect that and I, you know, I was fond of the donkey but it's still like a donkey and it's buried in the pasture, right? And so you, you get the picture. You're not, going to be, you're not going to have an honorable life. You're not going to receive the praise of men that's reflective of the praise of God because of what you've done and how you've exercised obedience. You're just going to be thrown out to rot. And finally, we're going to take a look at a few verses from Isaiah 58, which is foundational scripture for City of Refuge, and we'll finish up with this. And we hopefully will leave here with a pretty solid understanding, better than we had when we came in, of at least a few things that really, really matter to God and what our reaction and our participation in that should be. And so before... We get into verse 6. What precedes verse 6 is God calling church people into account for the way they're doing church, right? For the presentation that they're putting on, for the fact that they are supposedly carrying his name and his banner, but they're just not doing the things that he calls his people to do. And so they've been fasting, but what they do is they put on sackcloth, right, which is like a feed sack with the bottom cut out that you drape over your head to make you look pitiful. And you go sit in an ash pile and take the ashes and put them over top of your head. And you're fasting, and you declare to the whole community that that's what you're doing. So what's the point of it, and who gets the glory? I'm I'm fasting, and I'm going to get out here and look pitiful, and get your sympathy, and make myself look dejected. And that's how they're fasting, and God's response is this. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice? To untie the cords of the yoke and set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and He will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then, don't you love the if then? He 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 tells you what you need to be doing, and then he tells you what will happen if you do it. Then if you if you do away with the yoke of oppression, the pointing finger malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations and will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I can't imagine who could read that that kind of life is a possibility and not want to live that kind of life. Who? And not only are we told that that kind of life is a possibility, but we're given the formula to be able to live it. It's very simple hear and obey. Salvation, obviously, is hugely important. It's step number one. If you haven't accomplished that part yet, that's step number one for you. After you've made that step, steps number two through the trillions are to hear and obey. What is God saying? And what's your reaction? You say, well, Jeff, I don't know what God's saying. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Maybe he's not speaking to you personally and individually at this point. If not, I can tell you why. It's because you're not living in a way that aligns you to be able to hear him, fair and honest. But if you're not, there are all sorts of cool things that he says to all of us. And they're right in front of us. Who has a cell phone? How fast can you open it up and get to the Bible? Just like that. We all have it. The things he says to all of us, we've reviewed some of them today. Jesus said them. Jesus said the same things. And when you get into the New Testament church and the book of Acts and on through the epistles, they're doing the same things. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Take care of people who are lonely. The widows, the orphans, the broken, the needy, the oppressed, the depressed, the addicted, the prisoner. Live your life. Eyes wide open, ears wide open. And when he sends somebody across your pathway, say yes and respond. Start with the things he said for all of us to do. And that will bring you day after day more and more into alignment so that he then can start revealing things to you personally and individually. And then what do you do with that? You say, yes, and you respond to it. We have to know what God loves and what He despises. And then we have to be willing to say, yes. This is another beautiful word picture of what happens when you do that. A different prophet, the prophet Isaiah, saying, listen, here's the kind of fast God loves. What does God love? He loves this kind of fast. Get up off of your behind and get busy. Bless people. Encourage people. Feed people. Befriend people. Clothe people. Sit with people. Write to people. Give your time. Give your talent. Give your treasure. Stop looking for somebody to fill up your life spiritually and start filling up other lives, and all of a sudden, you'll start to feel very full. And the result, I'll raise you up. I'll make you solid. I will bless your life in ways you never imagined. I will call you a repairer of broken walls. I will call you a restorer of street dwellings that have been destroyed. That's what I'll call you. I'll call you somebody who has looking at a broken person, a broken situation, and you've responded in obedience, and that life and that situation has been healed and repaired, restored to a better condition than it was before it was broken. And I'll call you an instrument that was responsible partly for making that happen because of your obedience. So, let's keep coming to church and worshiping and hearing the word, but my gosh, let's keep getting up and doing something when church is over. Let's keep distributing food. Let's keep taking care of the kids. Tomorrow, our kids will go up to Camp Lighthouse in the mountains in North Georgia for a couple of days of just getting out of town, getting away from the problems, getting away from stuff. And they'll be blessed and they'll be loved on. Why? Why do we do that? Because we're compelled to do the things that God loves and these kids their lives are going to be so much different than they were than they would have been if we were not willing to say yes and to respond in obedience i gotta stop let's pray father i could sit in your word and deal with these things for hours and hours and hours. (coughs) But I thank you for the window of time we've had together here this morning to consider the things you love and the things you despise and to consider where we are with it right now as individuals and as a house and to consider how we can do more and give more and love more and serve more. And it's not about how much money we have. It's not about how busy we are. If we say yes to you, you're going to show us how you want to use us in your kingdom. And every Christ follower should be willing to be used as an instrument because for us to reach maximum impact in this world, that's what we need. We need 100% in doing the stuff of the kingdom paying attention to the things that you love and walking in obedience to it so we say yes to your counsel yes to your words and yes to your holy spirit day by day and we thank you that you produce results and that those results are always better than anything we could produce and those results are always eternal we thank you for that. We pray blessings of peace, power, and provision and protection over your people as we go. and pray it in your name. Amen.